So today, we're going to look at joy. And so if you please rise as we read Galatians 5, 22. And don't worry, this will not be a, a national anthem sermon. One of our, one of my sermon, or yeah, sermon texts from expository preaching back in seminary talked about the national anthem sermon. It starts out with the scripture reading and then goes off into the real game. And so, because you never revisit the national anthem during a baseball game. So, that's not the goal. Uh, Galatians 5.22. We're going to hit a couple of other scriptures today as well. Galatians 5.22. But the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I'm just going to keep reading. Gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to apply these truths, to try to understand them and see how they work and what you're doing in our lives, we pray that you'd grant us wisdom and grace and that you would change us, Lord, that we would boldly be joyful. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So I don't know if anybody remembers... um, so I'm going to ask the most terrifying question that a pastor can ask. Uh, what did I talk about last week? <laughs> love. Okay, well, good. Someone was paying attention. Um, where does love look? Outward. Love looks outward. It sees the other person. And so when we're talking about joy, joy looks through. How many of you ever have been having a really good day and then something happened that wrecked it? Anybody? Yeah. Um, I'm glad to see some hands go up. Um, Yeah, Jim's having a great day until 6 (laughs) a.m. Yes, I understand that too. Um, And so that's joy looks through the circumstances because when we're having a great day and the circumstances are able to take us down, then that means that we're looking at our circumstances to see how we should be interacting with this world. Is this a good day? Is this a bad day? Is this a blessing or is this a curse? Is this easy or is this hard? We're looking at the circumstances themselves. We're not looking at what they're going to bring about. And so joy looks through the circumstances and sees the end result. And so as we're talking about walking in step with the Spirit or um, walking in relationship with the Spirit or, you know, how else... Is this translated? But I say, walk by the Spirit. Um, if you're led by the Spirit, if you're walking with the Holy Spirit, you are going to set your goals to be the same goals that the Holy Spirit has. And so, because if one of the things that I've observed in marital counseling, both, yeah, and from the transition between premarital counseling to marital counseling, I've observed that as couples are in relationship for an extended period of time, they actually end up having the same goals. Now, that can run into problems because sometimes the couple both wants peace, and but they go about it in different ways. And so the man wants to have peace because he no longer wants to worry about money, so he tries to accumulate lots of money. Well, the, the wife wants peace, but she will, gets peace through having stuff. And so she wants to accumulate lots of stuff. And so then the wife takes the man's money and buys stuff and the man is no longer at peace and he's now angry at his wife. Now the wife is no longer at peace because she's no longer 
good with her husband, and they're both pursuing peace, but in different ways, and it's causing turmoil. <laughs> but yet, as they've been in relationship over the years, they both started to pursue peace. Well, ease is the same one. You know, the wife wants the house clean, and the man wants it comfortable. <laughs> and that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to clean. No, he just Jim was right. He wants it comfortable. And so they both are pursuing ease, but they pursue ease in different ways and so then they go head to head and it creates turmoil. And some of you are looking at your husbands and wives, don't do that during these um, cuz then you give yourself away. Uh, <laughs> to have a talk with Pastor Joe later. Um, <laughs> but that's what happens. As couples are together, their goals end up uniting. They both want power. They both want whatever, prestige. It doesn't matter. Um, but as they are united as a couple, they, their goals start to align. So the question is, what are God's goals? Have you ever thought about that? What are the goals of the Holy Spirit? If I'm going to be walking with the Holy Spirit, if I'm in relationship with Him, what are His goals? So as I've thought about this, Boil it down to two. Two that are revealed. That doesn't mean that God doesn't have other goals and it doesn't mean that I'm not missing nuance because I'm missing nuance. Whenever you boil something down, you miss nuance and that's life. God wants the world to know who he is. And so we talk about God, God's glory, God revealing himself, God showing his majesty, God being glorified, those sorts of things. What is that? The world knowing who God is. The truth about God. God wants the world to know the truth about God. And a subsidiary of that is that God wants us sanctified. He does that through us being saved, but then ultimately that's the end goal of salvation is not salvation. The end goal of salvation is sanctification because God wants us to embody Him. In the beginning, God created man and Eve, or Adam and Eve, man and woman, to do what? To bear his image. And that's sanctification. When we fell, we, know we lost our, the clarity of that image, but we did not lose the ability to bear it. And so then he wants us sanctified so that we would bear that image. And so these are God's goals. God wants the world to know him, and God wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be holy. And salvation is a means to that, but it's not the end of that. It's us embodying the truth of God and showing the image of God into this world. These are the goals of the Holy Spirit. This is what he wants. And so then how does joy line up with that? Well, joy looks through. Hebrews 12, 2. The author of the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews 12 too, and you guys probably have this verse in your minds. I'm going to read one and two. Um, because, because I am so disobedient, I don't even obey myself. How about that? Um, <laughs> Therefore, since we are surrounded by, such a great, by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what do we see Jesus doing? For the joy set before him, 
He looked through the cross at that end, at that goal. So the despising is shame. So what? So what about the cross? It doesn't matter. That's not the point. This thing that's going to happen through me going on the cross, through the shame, through the pain, through the suffering, that Jesus went through all those things, he kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him. And because he kept his eyes on the joy that was set before him, even knowing he was going to experience the cross, he still had joy because he was connected to that joy, knowing that the cross was the thing that brought it about. And so when I'm having a really good day and then I have a really bad circumstance and I no longer am having a really good day, I am seeking a goal that that bad circumstance was able to destroy. Whether that day, whether that was my own ease, like I was just going to have a good easy day and then, you know, water started bubbling up underneath one of the trees in our front yard. Because <laughs> that happened this week. We had a water main break in, under the streets in our fr- uh, right by our front yard. And so the water came up actually underneath one of our ash trees. And so the, the city came down and cut down one of our ash trees and I spent the last three days cutting up the branches. <laughs> um, they tore up our street. We didn't have water for about four hours. I was looking forward to an easy day. I was looking forward to my, I actually made plans that day. This is why I don't make plans. I know, right, Kathy? That just doesn't happen. And what happened to my plans? Right out that window. But you know what? Because I was preparing for the sermon, I actually had to think about this. Okay, Joe, what are your goals for today? Are your goals for today to glorify God or are your goals for today to accomplish your plans? Are your goals for today to let God sanctify you and to walk with him? Or are your goals for today to have an easy, well-organized day? Well, I know one of those sets of goals that was not going to happen. So I might as well go for the other one. And I could take a step back from my own life and look at this and say, you know what? Praise God. I've got an opportunity. I don't exactly know for what, but this is an opportunity. Because I know that the Holy Spirit is aiming for God being known and me being sanctified. And so this is an opportunity for me to be sanctified, set aside my plans, set aside my goals, interact with the people around me, and to see God working in this. For the joy set before him, for that goal, that end. Because Jesus tells us, what good is it for you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? And so it's the things that are inside that matter so much more than the things that are outside. The fruits of the Spirit are what the world is looking for. Joy is what the world is looking for. One of the things. It's also looking for love and peace and patience. And I could go through the whole thing. But this is what the world is looking for. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, if you're walking with me, you're going to set your goals to be the same as mine. If your goals are going to be the same as mine, no circumstance can actually come between you and that goal because now no matter what the circumstance is, it's going to lead you towards that goal because the Holy Spirit is the one that's in charge of the circumstance. How many of you believe that God's actually in charge of things in this world? I do. Otherwise, I think it'd be tearing out my hair. And that would be sad because there's not much of it left. 
That's one. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what's going on. This is why we can have joy. I can look at these things and say, okay, God being glorified is the greatest thing that can happen. Me being sanctified, it's the greatest thing I can experience. So what are my goals in comparison to that? Praise God, he's given me an opportunity. Praise God. I can have joy regardless of my circumstances. Well, how far does that go? James 1, 2 through 4. Oops, that's the wrong way. It's going for Jude. <laughs> Pastors nowadays. You know the difference between Jude and James. James 1, verses 2 through 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So why does James tell us to consider it a joy when we face trials? Because you know what it produces. You know the end result. Now, how many of you are stubborn? Anybody here? And how many of you know somebody that's stubborn? Don't point to the person next to you. Oh, more hands go up. How is that possible? Um, <laughs> stubbornness is good at times. <laughs> stubbornness is good when it's connected to our faith when it's connected to our relationship with God because stubbornness and steadfastness the only difference is where they're pointed stubbornness is pointed to my way steadfastness is pointed to God's so you ever meet a really determined person they're usually looking at something that's beyond them you meet a really stubborn person they're usually just looking out for themselves it's the exact same personality trait it's just where it's looking so here steadfastness is that same idea Consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And steadfastness continues to grow and it produces perfection. And so that's what we're going for here because that's sanctification. That's what the Holy Spirit is seeking to work out in us. This is the best that we can experience is sanctification. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. What is that? That's sanctification. That's walking in the Spirit. That's joy. That's peace. That's the fruits of the Spirit. This is what God is working. And so as I experience trials, what can I say? Praise God, He's giving me an opportunity. Have you guys ever experienced that? Go through a trial, and at the end of that trial, or even in the midst of that trial, you look around and say, I am very thankful. For this time of difficulty. I have. Sometimes it's been afterwards and I look back and it's like, wow, that really changed me. Sometimes it's in the midst and it's like, wow, this is really good. And I'm excited to be able to use this once we finally get through it. <laughs> but that's what's going on. And so that's why we can have joy. Because no longer can circumstances keep us down because now every circumstance, whether it's a blessing or a trial, whether it's easy or hard, whether it's enjoyable or painful, we know what they're producing. We know why the Holy Spirit's giving them to us, don't we? Because it's that God would be glorified and that we would be sanctified. 
Because glorification of God is the greatest thing that can happen and sanctification is the greatest thing we can experience. And so I can rejoice. Not because this is fun. Because how many of you have ever been in the midst of a trial and said, woohoo, this is so much fun. I just love this. I love getting to go to the doctor. Oh, it's just great. No offense, doc. (laughs) I don't like going to hospitals. People die there. (laughs) What was that, Peg? They get their well there too. Yeah, but that's not a funny joke. (laughs) And so, no, it's not fun at the moment, but we consider it joy. We look through the trial and see what it's bringing about. And so the stuff going on in America, one of the things that we prayed about in our prayer group, is chaos, right? It's chaos. It absolutely is. And it's disturbing. And it is not fun. I do not look around at the stuff going on within the moral situation, within the economic situation, within the military situation, within the political situation, you name it. I don't look around and say, wow, that's really good. No, none of it. You know, the fact that Minnesota has passed this ridiculous abortion law, is, it's just disgusting. But yet, I can also say, okay, but God is giving us opportunities in this. There are, God is using this. You know, COVID, I was talking to Brian about that. You know, as, as God is, God is sifting the wheat. It seemed like COVID was a threshing machine that really just, <laughs> that was a good one. I'm going to use that. Oh, I just did. And so that came from Brian. And so if I use it again, that's his fault. Um, just got to limit how many times I use it. Um, but it's a, I can consider it joy. Why? Because God is working good things. God is revealing himself. I'm not considering it fun. It's not making me happy, but it's joyous. And joy isn't excitement either. Some people kind of get that confused. If I'm really excited about something, I'm joyful. It's like, no, that's circumstantial. Joy is being able to look through that thing, whether it's good or bad, and seeing that it's going to bring good. It's an opportunity. It's a gift. And so that's joy. And so as I'm walking with the Holy Spirit, and I set my goals to the same goals as the Holy Spirit, that God would be glorified, that I would be sanctified. Then I can look at my circumstances regardless of what they are and say, praise God because He is working out the goal that is the best goal that can be. Praise God. But it's really hard. Yes, that steadfastness, that word in Hebrew, or Hebrew, Greek, actually means the ability to stand up under a burden. So it's not just stubbornness, I'm just a stick in the mud, but it's the ability to keep going regardless of the pressure. That's the idea. And so as I rejoice, praise God, he's working out his goals, that's how we can stand up underneath that pressure, knowing that one, it's temporary. No matter how bad something is in this world, it's going to pass away. Just take a matter of time. And two, that God is working something good through it. It's got a purpose. It's not without purpose. We were, it was a Gladys Aylward. We were listening to Gladys Aylward um, on Christian Heroes Then and Now. And Gladys Aylward was a missionary in China and there was a prayer that she was praying as she was watching the communists behead her Christian students. How many did, were killed? 200 Christian students were killed when the Boxer Revolution came to the university where she was working. 
They were all beheaded because they would not, they would not denounce Christianity and hold to communism. People say communism is not a religion. Garbage. But her prayer was, let them be strong and let this not go to waste. And that prayer was answered because God has been using that testimony now for over 100 years. I don't remember exactly. No, not over 100 years yet. But God's been using that testimony of the strength of truth to defeat the lie, the religion of communism. So none of these things are without purpose because God is using them to accomplish his goal. And when I fight against that, when I, am, when I hold myself down into those pits of despair and why? It's because I'm no longer looking through this at the goal that God has set. I'm looking at the goal that I have, which might be my ease, might be my prestige, might be whatever. But I throw away my goals and I hold fast to the goals that Christ has set. Because joy looks through. That makes sense. But this requires us walking with the Spirit. Because this isn't a religious thing. Well, if I do this thing good enough, then my goal will be here. No, we have to walk with the Spirit. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to surrender our goals to Him. And if we don't surrender our goals to Him, then these things can destroy my goals. If my goal is to live a long life and to be popular? Am I going to put myself into a situation that I might lose my reputation and maybe even lose my life? No. But if my goal is that God would be glorified and that I would be made holy, I'd be sanctified, would I be willing to do that? Yeah. And so if I'm holding fast to my goals, then I'm not walking with the Spirit. If I'm not willing to surrender my goals, I'm not walking with the Spirit. If I'm not willing to surrender my hopes, my dreams, my, my desires, my will, if I'm not willing to surrender that, I'm not going to be able to experience this joy. So how do you define joy? You talk about what joy does. Joy looks through and all the goals that I have heard what joy particularly is. Good question. Thank you. I, I missed that. So good. So what is joy? Joy is that uplifting, hopeful feeling. Because these are, this is an emotional state. So sometimes we'll say, well, love isn't a feeling. No, love is, there is a feeling associated with love and there's a feeling associated with joy. And it's uplifting and it's hopeful. And it's, it's a buoyant sense that's not stuck on the circumstances, but rather it's stuck on the beyond. It's connected to that. Usually we'll define happiness. It looks like happiness, but happiness changes with circumstance, whereas joy doesn't change with circumstance. Does that make sense? Because it's, but it's not, and yeah, it's not excitement. It's not happiness. It's bigger because excitement goes away once we get the thing. You know, how many of you have ever been excited to get something and then you bought it and it's like, oh, I wish I could take it back. <laughs> That's the temporary nature of excitement. Anton? Oh, you've done that. Okay. Sorry, I thought you had a question or a comment. But yeah, and so that's, excitement is based upon circumstance. Joy looks like excitement, but it's not because it's not based on the circumstance. Joy looks like happiness, but it's not because it's not based on the circumstance. It's able to see through the circumstance. And so it's happiness, it's excitement that continues to grow 
regardless of what's going on in the world around us. Beth. I, I one time um, felt the definition of joy as like a, a bubbling brook that's sometimes underground. Interesting. Sometimes it's above ground, but sometimes when there's lots of trials, you can't really see it or feel it real good, but it's still there. Mm-hmm. So Beth said that a definition that she heard, heard, came up with, whatever, um, was that joy is a bubbling brook that's sometimes underground. So it's constantly flowing, but sometimes it's harder to access than others because of the trials and circumstances that are being experienced. Yeah. That's a good definition. That would have been, that would have been what Jesus was experiencing too, going through. Because he said he knew the joy. Yep. Yep. But yet at the Garden of Gethsemane, at the Garden of Gethsemane, he went so far as to say, Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And so joy can also be experienced along with sadness. And so joy doesn't wipe those other things away. So I've been wondering about during this whole thing about how to how to minister to those in Turkey and Syria right now. That joy. Yeah. I mean, because you've heard there's been little things that people have said that you know that they are Christian, you know. But I'm sorry to bring that. This is no. This whole time. No, and and that's important because it's one thing to talk about these things in the abstract. It's another thing to talk about them in reality. And so, you know, there oftentimes we'll talk about the love and the grace of God in the midst of these because that's making the truth of God known. And so as a Christian, I can look at that and say God is making an opportunity. He's opening doors for ministry. If they don't know God yet, they're not going to be able to experience this joy because they're their goals are going to be outside of God's goals. And so then as we bring them into a relationship with God, because oftentimes time, there was a, a pastor here named Tom Tura. Um, and one of the things that Tom told me one time, he had actually been my pastor when I was growing up too, uh, was that people have a hard time hearing the gospel when everything's going well in their life. But their ears are often open when things are difficult. And so as we bring the gospel to these people in Turkey, you know, the, the love of God, the, the, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the presence of God, they can then come to experience the joy of God too. So, yeah. That God will work good through this. And that's the promise. Because that is the promise and that's the hope. That God is working good through this even though what they're feeling is pain. Yeah. Any other questions or comments? Do any of you have a testimony as to how God's done that in your life? I'm going to do something really dangerous. I remember I told you we had a sermon illustration this week. Joy can burst through the most unusual places like the root of your ash tree. Yep. That, yep. The the water main broke over here and yet the joy bubble or the water bubbled up over underneath my tree. Good. 
Yep, you Hosanna never know. What was that, Mark? Hosanna is a joy. Well, there was a, you know, Hopefully it's not a trial. <laughs> a trial in our worship team passed, and Hosanna became the joy. Yeah. Linda? When I went through COVID, and uh, being, you know, becoming coherent <laughs> and realizing, you know, kind of what went on. And the feeling that I had after that <coughs> was like, okay, I can get through this. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'll be home by Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, is that steadfastness? Well, it's <laughs> Well, I said... Here, it'll be better. People can hear you and not just me. I said to Jim, I'm going to be home by Thanksgiving. This was like the beginning of November, and he goes, um, I was thinking more like Christmas. And I said, nope, Thanksgiving. And he's like, no way. And because I trusted in God, I was home by Thanksgiving. <laughs> and I, that joy that I felt and was able to share with the nurses and, you know, having COVID for seven weeks or, you know, being in the hospital for seven weeks isn't something that most people would think, oh, God's working through this, and but I felt like he was. Mm -hmm. And he was. I mean, anybody else like to share? Should have given you guys a heads up. Could have had a whole week to think about it. Beth? Well, when my husband died back in 1999, and I'd been in a dry spell, but here... I was really needing God to be with me, and that's when I discovered that that underground river of joy that was, because um, there were people that surrounded me with um, care and concern, and I felt God's presence closer, closer to me than I'd ever known before, and um, just to feel that Jesus was carrying me when I couldn't walk by myself. That was just a, um, even though it was a very sad time, it was a time of joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the death of your husband is usually is not usually considered a happy time. And so does, does having joy make the pain go away? No. Does it make the struggle go away? No. Does it, does it make the sadness go away? No. It's something that goes through those. Looks through those. There are joy killers. You know, we could talk about that too. Selfishness is a joy killer. Stubbornness, an unwillingness to surrender. Uh, Self-will, self uh independence like i can do this on my own those things are joy killers because then we have then we have to push christ away and those things kill joy what was that mark 
Pride, joy killer. If I'm holding on to my pride, myself, my sense of ability, it's going to kill my joy. My own goals, my own dreams, my own desires, it's going to kill my joy. And so we surrender those things. We confess those things. We submit to Christ. And we walk with the Spirit. And not only, it not only kills... Those things not only kill your own joy, they can damage other people's joy. I yep. think of a conversation I had with somebody who was losing some of their independence and um, didn't want to ask for help. And I said, but you're not allowing others then to use their gifts and the blessings God's given them to bless you. So that person lost out on things because they didn't come to church and things because they forgot they wouldn't ask for help and they denied other people the joy of helping. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we can't work this joy up in ourselves. We need you. And so I ask that you would teach us then through joy and through lack of joy to more closely walk with your Spirit. Lord, that we would be led by your Spirit that we'd be dependent on your spirit. We'd look to you. Guide us as we pursue you, that you might be glorified and that we might be sanctified. Lord, and so we thank you then for trials and for blessings because we know that those are the goals that you have for us. We give you praise because you are good and you are powerful and you are persistent. Thank you for being persistent. In Jesus' name, amen.